Man, are you guys awake this morning? Good morning, church. There we go. We want to let the folks who are out there in, uh, on the other side of that camera know that we're here too. But whether you are here in person or joining us online, I want you to know Jesus Christ loves you. He wants the very best for you, and it's in Him that we have hope and faith for an incredible future, not only in this life, but in the life to come, and we look so forward to being with Him eternally uh, as we live this life out and look forward uh, to that moment together. You know, we've got a great uh, group of people here that call Crosspoint home, and several of them have made a decision to, to join us in ministry, and you've seen them every Sunday reading the text on screen. So I want to say to those who are, who are thinking along that line or who have joined us in doing that, thank you for serving God in that way. It is such an awesome moment to hear the Word of God read uh, in a, a crowd of people who desperately love Jesus Christ. You know, we're in this third week that we're calling Savior Supreme because we're walking through the book of Colossians. Today we're in Colossians chapter 3, so if you've got a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to grab that and turn to chapter 3. We'll be there in just uh, a few minutes. I want to remind you too, this series is taking us to uh, April the 4th, which is Easter Sunday, and it's a great opportunity every year uh, to invite people that you know to a worship service. Uh, It's... uh, well known that most people are open to an invitation who don't have a church home. And so whether you're talking about folks in your workplace, in your neighborhood, your friend group, make sure that you let them know Crosspoint's a place that they can come and be a part of. We'd love to have them here Easter Sunday. Equally, I want you to know baptism is so important in our journey. As people who proclaim Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, you can be baptized on any Sunday or any day of the week. That is not an issue at all. But I want to kind of place a seed in your mind for those that might have been thinking about it. What if we used Easter Sunday as Baptism Sunday as well? Wouldn't it be great to have a whole group of people who make a decision that day to be baptized into Christ on the day that we celebrate Jesus' resurrection? What a great opportunity. So let me plant that seed for you. If you're thinking about it, man, talk to one of our shepherds or staff member. Uh, I'd love to talk to you as well. If uh, you haven't been baptized into Christ, it's a great opportunity for you to start brand new to have your sin washed away and start that walk with Christ uh, as He empowers you with the Holy Spirit in your life to journey for great uh, things that are yet to come for you. Well, I know that we started two weeks ago in Colossians, and we were reminded by Paul about some things that are important to the church, not only the church at Colossae, but they're relevant for us today as we live in this culture that is very noisy right now and trying to distract us from how we're called to live in Christ. If you remember, Paul is in prison when he writes this letter, and he's not there alone. There are other Christians with him as well. One of those guys, his name is Epaphras, and he is the shepherd and pastor of the church at Colossae. And he's letting Paul know what's going on in the church back home. Now, Colossae is a town that's located in what we would call modern-day Turkey, uh, but 2,000 years ago, it was kind of the epicenter of all things magical, mysterious, and mystical. And so the church there claimed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but there were factions within the church that were saying you can also add other things to Jesus in order to get closer to God. And so we have this group called the Gnostics uh, who really said there's this mysterious knowledge that if you know that about Christ and about God, pair that with Jesus Christ, you can get even closer to that walk that you're called to. There was another group in the church who were really kind of this works-oriented group, and they said Jesus is absolutely necessary 
but you, there's some things that you have to do on your journey in order to gain that salvation. And what Paul wants us to know in this letter is that there is absolutely nothing more that you need than Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ offers hope and salvation and forgiveness for each and every person. There's nothing else that you need to pair with Jesus. He's powerful enough. He's strong enough. He is enough. And so today, I want to dig into a few verses out of chapter 3 in Colossians as we begin our journey together this morning. So if you would, grab your Bible. Let's look at uh, beginning in verse 12. Paul says, "'Since God chose you to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience.'" Make every allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful." Paul is reminding us as followers of Christ, as disciples, we're called to live differently than the world around us. We're called to make changes in our own life that reflect how Christ lived his life. And so, in essence, the way the letter is laid out, Paul is saying, look, in chapter 1, we describe exactly who Jesus Christ is. He is God. He is the creator. He is Savior Supreme. He's the reconciler. All things were created for him and by him. There is nothing more important, more powerful than Jesus Christ himself. That's chapter 1. Chapter 2 is Paul calling us then as believers to let our roots grow deep down into Jesus Christ, that we should have this firm footing with Jesus Christ. Build your life as a platform, a foundation on Jesus Christ. And chapter 3 is how we're called to live. So basically Paul is saying, if you believe chapter 1, and if you do chapter 2, then you'll live like chapter 3. Chapter 3 is kind of the blueprint of how we're called to be in Christ Jesus. So important to know that. But you know, we as human beings, we're, we're pretty curious people. I mean, it's gotten us into a lot of trouble along the way, and it solved some problems along the way as well. You know, in the 60s, we ended up going to the moon and putting a man on the moon and discovering space travel and all of those different things. Right now, we've got uh, the investigation going on on the planet of Mars as we've got a rover there, and they're checking things out, life on the planet Mars possibly, and the, those kind of different things. Um, way back in Genesis chapter 3, we see how curiosity, uh, what that did to humankind. Adam and Eve are in the garden. They have a very close relationship with their creator, God. And God puts them in this place, and he says, all of this is yours. You can do whatever you want in the garden. He says, except for that tree way over there, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't go near the tree. Don't eat from the tree. Don't climb the tree. Don't take a nap under the tree. Don't carve your initials into the tree. Stay away from the tree. It's the only thing you have to worry about in the garden. We don't know how long it took, but curiosity kind of killed the cat there, right? And they eventually ate from the fruit and immediately recognized that they had sinned. Sin entered the world. They lost the relationship we had with God. And it moved things in a very different direction than maybe they had hoped. Curiosity gets the best of us, and sometimes it's, it's good. 
we've investigated and, and, and know how the combustible, in, the combustible engine works in a car or, or how planes fly from point A to point B. You go to the Texas State Fair and let's deep fry everything and see how that works out. You know, we missed the State Fair last year, and so we're hoping to get back and get some of that deep fried stick butter or whatever they've got on the menu this year. I don't know. It's going to be something good, I'm sure. You know, most of us are curious, too, you know, when the bus driver gets off the school bus, who closes the door? I mean, these are deep questions that we've got to get answered. We're very curious people. But as we think through this curiosity and we look at the text that we've opened up today, it really calls some questions for each and every one of us. Now, it's easy to kind of point fingers at other people and how they should be living and what they should be doing and how they should be forgiving. It's a more difficult task to look at myself and see where I'm falling short and who I'm called to be and what I need to be doing. Today is what we're called to do, that very thing. How are we living life? What are the things we're doing in our life? And so I want to give you three questions this morning that I think are going to help our individual walk with Christ and will help motivate us and move us in the direction that Paul wants us to move in chapter 3. So the very first question is this, what are you wearing? What are you wearing? Take a look at verse 12. Paul says, Since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. If you've got your own Bible, those are five words that you need to circle, underline, draw an arrow to because they're the core of how we are called to be as Christians in the culture in which we live. We're called to be those kind of people, very different than the world around us. We're called to, to live into the life that Jesus wants us to have. Now, my guess is if you're like me, every morning that you get up and, and uh, you've gotten ready, you put some clothes on before you walk out the door. My guess is your neighbors would let you know quickly if you forgot to do that. We put clothes on before we head out into the world. And Paul is saying, every day that you leave your home as a believer, you need to make sure you have these five things on. They need to be part of your wardrobe. They need to be part of your daily life, how you interact with other people. A couple of years ago, we did this Bible study called Satisfied, and it was a very convicting study because it really was talking about material wealth and hoarding and, and how we're really not very good at minimalizing things in our home that we just continue to collect. And a couple of the homework assignments were go to your closet and count how many t-shirts you have, count how many pair of shoes you have, and it was very convicting for many of us. We began to cull some of those things out of our, uh, out of our closets and then donate them to charity so that other people could use them. Uh, Paul says, look, you need to be clothed with tenderheartedness, with mercy, with kindness, and humility, and patience. Those are the kind of people that follow Jesus Christ. You know, these last 12 months, we've uh, been exposed to 
a lot of difficulties going on in the world around us with COVID and a presidential campaign and other things that have happened. The media does a good job of focusing on a lot of the negative and we need to know about what's going on in the world. But sometimes that's the only viewpoint that we get. And we've seen how businesses have closed, how families have lost income, have most of us have had our health affected in one way or another. We've lost friends and family members and coworkers. We've had a very embittered presidential election. The list goes on. And we can focus on those things. I don't know about you, but I've also kept my eye open for people who look like Jesus. And maybe not to my surprise, but the body of Christ has been very real and authentic these past few months. I have seen a lot of people looking like Jesus. How about you? I've seen a lot of people share. We've had families, more than just a handful, come up to the church building here, give us their stimulus check and say, I don't need this. I know you know a family who does. Somebody that lost their job. I've known of families in isolation and other people making sure they make those phone calls to make sure that they're connected and taken care of. I know folks who couldn't get out of their home because of sickness and someone else went to buy the groceries, laid them on the doorstep and walked away with no reef, no payment uh, for what, what they did. I know folks who've transported other folks to the doctor's office. During our recent rolling blackout, during our snowmageddon moment, I know folks who really opened their homes up as a warming place to get a shower, to have a meal, to be, to be warm. And over and over, I have seen, not only last year, but this year, people looking like Jesus. And church, that's a better story than the negative, wouldn't you say? We need to see that going on in our life. What I've also discovered along the way is that if I'm all about me and I'm focused on the negative, the circle of people that actually listen is very small. But when you put on, as Paul calls us to, tender-hearted mercies, when we're humble and kind, when we're patient and forgiving those around us, those that are willing to listen to that kind of life grows immensely. We become a light in our communities. I mean, what if you and I, every single day, we made a decision that it's more important what our spiritual wardrobe looks like rather than the shoes on our feet? I want to encourage you to wear shoes, but the other is important. What if we made a decision that in our circles of influence, in our workplace, that we let our light shine? that we extended kindness and compassion to those around us, even in the midst of difficulties? What if you and I made a decision to be patient with those who are not yet where we are in life? What would that look like if we extended our hearts, true hearts, to those around us? Because church, right now, we live in a culture that's full of hatred, bigotry, and racism. We live in a culture that's very exclusive and full of pride. And what our world, what our country, what our neighborhoods need to see right now is that Jesus changes everything. Jesus will change your hope and your life outlook. He will give you faith and hope in a better tomorrow. He'll show you how to treat others around each other so that we gain the relationships that we're longing for so deeply. What are you wearing? The second question is, what are you holding? What are you holding on to? Take a look at verse 13. Paul says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. 
Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. In the original language, the word that Paul uses, we translate, if you look in the verse, it says forgive anyone. That word anyone in the original language translated, it literally means anyone, everyone, literally. And so we kind of judge who we're going to offer forgiveness to in our own lives. And I believe right now we're living in an incredibly easily offended culture, are we not? We're right in the middle of this thing they're calling the cancel culture where every single thing on the planet that offends me, you've got to change. It's got to be different. But Paul reminds us that even when I was a sinner, Christ came for me. Even when I pushed back and I was in rebellion, Christ came for me. So Paul says, because you've been forgiven, then as a follower of Christ, you also must forgive those around you who do you wrong. So this morning, the question is for you personally, what are you holding on to? What grudge are you you hanging on to for just the right minute to, to hit back with? Who in your relationship are you stonewalling in order for them to see your point of view? What have you hung on to for years that you're just waiting to give back? And my guess would be there are some here in our audience this morning joining us online, and you're saying right now, well, Tim, you just don't know what they said to me. Well, Tim, you, you don't know how they treated me. Tim, you don't know what they said about my family. And as gingerly as I can this morning, I would say as a follower of Christ, it really doesn't matter because we're called to forgive, not hold on to things. You see, church, we don't let people control our lives. We let Jesus Christ control our lives. It's in him that we find hope and life in our very being. Some of us come in a moment like this and we raise our hands in worship. And unfortunately, some of us are holding on to things that we need to let go of. And so in that moment, Jesus sees your offense, not your worship. It's important that we let go. I don't know how many of you have ever looked at a documentary on raccoons, and I know we just took a 90 degree there. I didn't know exactly how to make that transition, so. <laughs> but if you look on Animal Planet or Discovery, any of those shows, it's interesting. Nocturnal creatures, raccoons, but they love shiny things. And the way to catch a raccoon is you put something shiny in a large container with a small hole. They'll put their hand in there to get that, and they won't let it go. They can't get it out the hole, but they won't let it go. And so the next morning you get up and you've got a raccoon caught. Now, you don't know what to do with him after that point, but he's there. And sure, so many times in our own life, it's the same way. Somebody says something curt to us. Somebody looks at us the wrong way. And we hang on to that and we are trapped. And it's not until we let that go that we can enjoy the life that God wants to give us through his son, Jesus Christ. Not until we let go of what we're holding on to in our hand can God give us something else in our hand. What are you wearing this morning? What are you holding on to? And finally, what is residing within you? Look at verse 15. Paul says, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. 
Paul says, let the peace of Christ live where? In your hearts. Let that be the thing that motivates you every single day. The peace that passes all understanding. And church, as I look and interact with some of us, it's clear that we need to get to the metaphoric gym. We need to work our heart out just a little bit in order to let his peace live within us. Now, it's, it's okay to have some anger in your life at times. We're built that way. That's part of our DNA, that righteous indignation. When you're upset about how some things are going around the world, when you take that short-term mission trip to a third world country and you see a family living on a dollar a day, they don't have clean water to drink, there's no education or clothing for their kids, no roof over their head, that's a moment when as a God-fearing follower, you can become angry and decide to do something about that, to jump in and, and help somewhere along the way. Did you know that not every tribe and language on our planet has the Word of God in their own language? And we've partnered with Pioneer Bible Translators to help them accomplish that. I know we've got several of you here in our audience. We're grateful for your work. That's something that can get you upset and angry. So I've got four copies of the Bible at my house, but there's a group of people that don't even know the story of Jesus Christ because there's nothing in their language. Or as we partner with Eastern European missions and put Bibles in the school systems in Eastern Europe, we, we do that as well. Because we want people to know the story of God. There are things in our life that can, can move us to some righteous anger, poor church leadership where you see people taking advantage of a congregation. That's difficult and that moves us to want to do something about that. But the thing is, anger can't live here. It can visit, but it can't live. Frustration can light a fire, but church, it can't be our life. Because Paul says the peace of Christ is what's going to live in our heart. It's the thing that's going to move us and make people different each and every day as we interact with them. Today is about taking an inventory of our own lives. I've talked to many people over the years and asked them why they're not part of the family of believers or why they're not at this congregation. And their answer sometimes is a struggle. Just five years ago, somebody said something curt to them in the commons or someone looked at them wrong and so they're just not coming back. Church, we need to let go so that we can grow. It's one thing to hold anger in your hands. It's another thing to let it live in your heart. And church, we've got to realize and know that Jesus Christ is the only way that we'll ever mature, grow, have restful nights and blossoming relationships when we allow Jesus Christ into our hearts and let his peace overcome us so that we have the life. He's promised us life and life into the full. Back to that story in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve, they've committed the sin, they ate from the tree, and now God is coming looking for them in the cool of the day. I want you to think about that for just a minute. Can you imagine God dropping by your house to see how your day went? Let's talk about life a little bit. What a wonderful experience that must have been. But Adam and Eve are hiding because they've done something they shouldn't have done. And God asked the question, where are you? It's not a GPS question. It's a self-awareness question. What have you done? Where are you at? 
And what we want in our own lives is for when we interact in the world's context, but we've put within ourselves the ability to forgive and let go. We've allowed the peace of Christ to live in our heart. We become people who are patient, kind, and humble, who have gentleness in their hearts and love to give. When life doesn't go our way and we're down and we get kicked and yet we have joy on our face and the world goes, how are you doing that? When when we get let go from our job and we're in the midst of trying to discover how do we put food on the table while I'm looking for a job and yet I do that with a smile. And the world says, how do you do that? When somebody says something indifferent to us and non-compassionate and mean-spirited and yet we reply with a blessing and the world says, how do you do that, church? Our answer every single time is I do it because of Jesus Christ. He is the one that's influenced my life. And so each and every day, Paul calls us as we leave the house to think about what we're wearing. What is it you need to let go of today? I mean, how is Jesus Christ residing in your life and how is that affecting the people around you? It's a call to, to really surrender to our Savior Supreme, to, to remind the world around us there's a better way. And it can only be found in Christ Jesus with him living in our heart and our desire to serve those around us in great and profound ways that doesn't look anything like the world, other people will take notice. They'll want to be a part of that story, and you'll be a part of their process of getting to know the hope that is Jesus Christ. And so the call this morning is that you would absolutely believe in chapter 1, this is who Jesus truly is that you'll allow your roots to grow deep down into Jesus Christ and build the foundation of your life on him. And in doing so, you'll be transformed and live the life that God's called us to live in his son, Jesus Christ. Now, there may be some of you here that are struggling right now and you've got a, something going on in your life that you're trying to let go of. You'd like to, you're not sure how. Our shepherds during this song are gonna be gathered along the wall of this room and they're gonna be willing to pray for you and over you. I'd encourage you to go find one of those couples and just let them pray for you. Or maybe there might be some here this morning that have never said yes to Jesus Christ and been baptized into his name. Today is the day for you. Don't wait because it's only in him that you're gonna find real life. It's only in him that you're ever gonna have peace in your heart. You're gonna find true joy so saying yes to him in baptism, you'll be uh, placed under the water, rise up a brand new creation with your sins washed away, the Holy Spirit living within, and you begin your journey of joy in the world in which you live. So we as the family of God today, do we believe that Jesus Christ is everything that he says he is? The answer is yes. Let's all stand and praise his name together as a family of God.